0: Hello fellow travelers, this is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. Before we jump into the episode this week, I just want to recommend to you the newsletter that I'm publishing on alternate weeks, so the podcast is going out every other week this this season. And on the weeks that there isn't a new podcast episode, there is a newsletter that is being published. Now, the newsletter is exclusively going to supporters of the podcast, which is to say the patrons of the pod. Uh, But the newsletter has in it a lot of linkage to the previous podcast episode. So I'm able to provide curated readings to sort of reflect more deeply on some of the things that I would have discussed with my guest in a previous podcast episode, spend some more time with, sit down, kind of have a cup of coffee little weekend reader kind of thing but also I'm able to provide original writing on my part where I'm able to be a little more let's say candid uh, than I would ever be on Facebook or social media platforms where I don't tend to write hardly at all Uh, and then I'm also providing um, original audio content in the form of reading of sort of great poets and their some of their work introducing people to some of that or just reminding people of Beautiful things worth listening to. And then also providing uh, extra audio content in the form of book recommendations, book chats, the reading room episodes that we're doing with some of our guests when they stay a little bit later after a conversation. And then they kind of recommend a few books to the listeners uh, for, for you guys to, to kind of explore some different titles that maybe were connected to things we talked about in the episode, or maybe were just some of the things they love. Um, so the newsletter. It has a lot of good content in it. I think it's worth your time. But again, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, uh, you get the newsletter. So go to frombabylonwithlove.com, click on newsletter, and then there's just a couple steps if you want to be a supporter and you want to start receiving that. At whatever point you do subscribe to the newsletter, you will have access to the archive. So if you missed a previous newsletter, everything will be there sitting there for you. So you wouldn't miss anything uh, wherever you jump in. So I recommend that to you. Uh, thank you so much for your support, for liking it on iTunes, rating it five stars, all the things, or or sharing it with people that you think might be interested in what we're doing. Um, I really do appreciate it. It really helps motivate the project, and <laughs> especially when the the nights are long, <laughs> the mornings are early, it, it does it does keep things like you know, okay, let's do this. I think this is worth people's time, and and there are some people out there who who do seem to value it. So. Uh, I really appreciate everybody who is supporting the podcast in any way that you are supporting it, and I do hope you will enjoy this episode. Our aim in education is to give a full life. We owe it to our children to initiate an immense number of interests. Life should be all living, and not merely a tedious passing of time, not all doing or all feeling or all thinking. The strain would be too much, but all living. That is to say, we should be in touch wherever we go, whatever we hear, whatever we see, with some manner of vital interest. My friends, I am deeply honored to be joined on the podcast this week by Miss Beth Young. Beth is a member of our church. Beth is also sort of like what you'd picture if you imagined wanting to be a great mom who can do all the things. She's shaking her head, but of course, that's what a great mom would be. Beth is the mom you look at and you're like, oh man, I need to be able to be like that. I mean, I think about this, not as a mom, but as a dad. Beth is the kind of person that you're like, okay, what's Beth doing? That's probably a good thing to do. So I asked Beth to come on to talk about about children, about educating children, about momhood, about all the things, and and Beth, I am just so delighted that you are able to Get someone to watch your children, <laughs> to come and talk about your children. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Beth Young.
1: Thank you so much. I I appreciate those kind words. You, I, are,
0: you are, though. You are like the mom, right? I
1: am a mom. You
0: are a mom. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, just really thoughtful, intentional, you know, like, oh, look at that and look at that and look at that it always is like an inspiring thing to hear what you're up to, what you're thinking about, what you're engaging with with your kids. So I am really stoked to get to sort of the present tense. But before we get to the present tense, I do want to hear a little bit about your story. Um, Growing up, did you grow up in Orange County? Did you grow up in this area? I did. I grew
1: up in San Juan Capistrano.
0: Oh, where you still Mm -hmm. live. Yes. You and Mr. Scott Young Mm -hmm. uh, in a lovely home uh, in the old San Juan. So this this is home for life. It is. Have you ever lived anywhere else?
1: Just Southern California, Costa Mesa for a few years and have you ever
0: wanted to live in Yes.
1: <laughs> country home all the way. Okay, country home all mm-hmm. the way.
0: Because I meet people in Orange County um, who are like who will just be like, I can't even like why would you even travel? Like this is paradise. Why would anyone leave? And and I don't know how to process that person. So yeah. that's not you. No. <laughs> okay. I can
2: process you.
1: It has some gorgeous things about it. It definitely does. We love Orange County. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. But you yeah. got to be able to dream sometimes. And part of sure. your dream is that country living. Which, yes. Now, let me ask you this. Growing up, was was that part of uh, sort of the a vibe in your house? Were you raised with that kind of spirit of things?
1: It was, definitely. We had chickens on and off.
0: Oh, you really did?
1: We did, okay. yeah. In, in a normal neighborhood in San Juan. Wow. We did not live out in the country. My dad always uh, had guess- um Gosh... Grass and Farmer magazines delivered to the house. So okay. every summer he would take us all on a road trip. Drop some of, some of us off in Colorado where my aunt lived. And he would go on to Missouri and look for cattle farms. Wow. Yeah. So
0: this is like a real w- he, he would look for cattle farms like we would move to this if I yes, find one. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So it was like your father's dream.
1: It was. <sighs> And it never came about, but they were the most misplaced parents ever.
0: <laughs> because they were here. <laughs> they were here in Orange <laughs> County.
1: But he he had um, when they before they had kids, he had worked on an Amish farm in Pennsylvania. No way. They lived in New Guinea for a couple years. What? Um, Why? So missionaries? What's missionaries, going on? Missionaries. Yeah.
0: No way. Okay. Oh, gosh, I got too many podcast episodes, just filled my head. Yeah, um, okay. Your dad, your parents sound incredible and fascinating now. So, we have these uh Papua New Guinea missionaries. Uh, did I say Papua New Guinea or is yes. it just New Guinea? Is that Papua New, New Guinea? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> check the tape. Um, okay, so missionaries for a season. Mm-hmm. Um, always w- he wanted to be a cattle farmer. Yes, how did he end up here? Or was he born? He, like raised here?
1: Yeah, he grew up in San Diego, and my mom grew up in L.A.
0: Okay, so they just were SoCal folk,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but with but with different dreams, yes, and different experiences. Man, wow, that's extraordinary. Now, mm-hmm. were you raised? Uh, were you alive when they were doing the missionary thing? Like when you were in no. the mission field?
1: And um, they had six kids, and they they did the mission field before having any of us. Okay, um, and then once they got settled, he's a teacher, so they actually taught in New Guinea, but yeah, once they came back to Southern California, that's when they just started a family and never actually went on the mission field again, though they'd have people come visit our home, which I've heard stories of other homeschooling families too, where they're like, oh, you had the random missionary come visit too. <laughs> that's thing. yes that's and, then, and then there thing. was a slideshow up in your living room yes
0: <laughs> you're like wasn't that just saturdays so so homeschool families were like this like <laughs> underground railroad for missionaries
1: yes
2: kind
0: of like an outpost yeah it's like if there was a homeschool family you know the missionaries could hang out there mm-hmm. and maybe stay the night yes that's really cool so so now we're starting to show show the the hand a little bit here you were homeschooled, so this was a this is a six kid homeschool family.
1: I was homeschooled until fourth grade. Okay. My mom actually would homeschool us at different times. Sometimes they'd send us to private school, like maybe one at a time like when they'd turns. have money, because
0: mm-hmm. you guys are just too many kids.
1: Too many kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some get the private school. Yes. It's like, you would you look forward to that? Would you be like, oh, it's my oh third grade it, here it comes?
1: Yes, fourth, grade, fourth was grade was my first year, and yes, I loved it. Other years when. They would switch us around. I'd be like, oh, "Not so much into this one," but so I'd opt it like for homeschooling instead. So
0: they did they ask you, like the kids, were they like, "Do you want to go to a private school? Do you want to stay it home?" It
1: was always a conversation. It was a
0: conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just an ask, but it was a conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now, were you all six? How many brothers? How many sisters?
1: Three brothers and two sisters. Wow, an even split. Mm-hmm.
0: So were you all six? home educated at one moment at any one moment where you all like
1: ah no actually so my oldest brother when my youngest brother was born was 18. wow yeah okay so so it's quite a spread quite a spread he was probably going to gosh maybe he was already in college in Kentucky when my youngest brother started homeschooling okay you know
0: yeah and what was your experience like as a kid being homeschooled? I mean, up to I guess up to fourth grade. So after fourth mm-hmm. grade, never again?
1: Um, after fourth grade, I was homeschooled again, half of sixth grade and seventh grade. And then high school, I might have been homeschooled for a couple of weeks when I really did not like my private school. Gotcha. And then I graduated high school early and started Saddleback.
0: Was it tough uh, going back and forth, having all these different modes?
1: It actually felt pretty consistent because we always had the same home, right? Um,
0: Literally, physically, the same place. Exactly. Okay.
1: If we hadn't, I could. Yes, it would have felt like you were way too hectic. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So home is an anchor, a real stable place. There, your folks. I mean, they sound like they're all in. Your your dad's a teacher. public school private school where public school school. Mm -hmm. okay and what does he what did he teach biology biology Mm -hmm. and would he i mean if he's that's a full 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 full-time job so would he participate in your home education or like help just Uh, kind
1: of design not say he he would bring home science things like Frogs, turtles, yeah. snakes.
0: My mom, mom was a fifth grade science teacher. <laughs> yeah, and she would just bring home tarantulas. Oh yes, regularly. exactly, tarantulas. I'm like, Why yes, is this year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved the frogs, though. Um, <laughs> he'd always help with something like math. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Sure. He was so patient. Like I would just be crying through my <laughs> math, and he'd every single night be there. Um, so in that way, yes. But he would be out the door by like five thirty in the morning. And be back home at like 5 p.m. Right.
0: Full, full time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're, so you 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 graduate uh, high school early. You go to Saddleback. And then what's your trajectory? What did you want to do at that point? Were you interested in education?
1: Um, at that point, I, well, actually growing up, I always wanted to be a, a foster mom and possibly. Like that was
0: a thing in your mind, a foster mom. Yeah. <laughs> That's a mm-hmm. very specific thing. Like uh, not well, just like adopt a bunch of kids, but like a foster mom.
1: Yes. I think my parents had always brought us into the exposure of um, populations that um, needed love. Yeah. I think is the main thing. Um, and maybe even like deficits in our culture right. where they're being missed. Right. So there was that. Um, I wanted to be a social worker, so I majored in sociology thinking that was my route um i didn't i i went and and observed a school counselor at one point in long beach who had all of these teen moms gathering in her office and at that point i was like this this, this is what is i want to be i love that they are gathering here they're getting to know you you're getting to know them mm-hmm. this is so much more than school like you're like inviting them into your life basically And they're finding a safe place here. Um, So that's when I decided to go into school counseling. Um, And then from there, like just while I was getting my masters. So
0: you did undergraduate in sociology. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then you go on to do the masters in?
1: In school counseling. In school counseling, okay. Um, While I'm there, I start working in ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. Okay as a side job to make money. Well, I just keep on going and going. I was in the field for like 10 years, much longer than I expected. And as for being a school counselor, I was only in the schools for my internships.
0: So what was that? You just got drawn to the behavioral side of things?
1: Yes, Um, with basically with the parents. As I went into people's homes and I saw the difference that it was making, that's what drew me there for now such a long time. where are you time.
0: working for that you would be going into people's homes? Who, what, are you working for the state, county,
1: um, It's actually, it's private companies that they'll re- receive money from the regional center, actually, to go in and do one-on-one programs, mainly with children with autism, but with any other diagnosis as well that's needed. Um, so running run one-on-one programs, and then I, I started writing the reports to be sent to regional center. Um, and training people to work with the kids, as well as training the parents to work with their their children. Um,
0: is it specific see. to a, an age range, or it's it's any?
1: It was 2 through 18. <laughs> okay. <But laughs> All the kids. <laughs> yes, yep. but they started assigning me, actually, so many. This is what's funny, because my little boy right now is so wild and imaginative. But... they started assigning me all of the six and seven-year-old boys that you know can you imagine like no the ones that are just like no category and there and there and here you know
0: (laughs) so the most the the most challenging yes
1: (laughs) yes and even the violent 12 year olds as well they would start assigning me too um but that's a different story so
0: you so you must have been good now what kind of presence do you have in those places like uh, are you an authority figure I mean, you seem so sort of like um, welcoming, sort of kind. You don't seem frightening to me, but you would have had to have some.
1: That is exactly actually how the parents felt. Right. Because, I mean, think about how intimidating that is to have a stranger come into your home and sure. then tell you how to manage your children.
2: Sure. Very it's off-putting. Like,
1: yes. Yeah. So. That is actually what drew me, where the, the relationships with the parents and the difference it would make in training the parents in how to work with their children and how empowering it was for them not to feel helpless with their own children. Right. Um, which is really what kind of brought me back into, way back then, thinking about what I wanted to do with my own children. Because so much of it in my mind was going, gosh, these parents, they really do they have the tools to work with their own children. Um, they they don't have to get other people to do these things for them. Like if they just felt even just more secure in just the consistency um, with the behavior of their own children, they can do it. And that's actually the best. There's no better thing for a child than their own parent. Um, so even though I really did not expect to be a homeschool mom mm. growing up I really didn't even though I knew I I had received other things from my parents for sure but replicating the homeschool thing I, I not did not plan. think <laughs> yeah but it was in that role that I I really decided okay like if there's a certain way I want my kids educated I am going to do it myself right I'm not going to look for other people to do it for me
0: that's so interesting that you describe sort of how you were able to be effective in other people's homes because you weren't just there to teach or train um the child right or to sort of be a middle person with the child like okay we have a problem. Mm-hmm. send in you know miss young or whatever um, but that you because of your your training because of your skill but also because of your demeanor that you were able to genuinely come alongside people so they didn't felt less by having help they didn't felt insulted or embarrassed maybe in, yes. in a situation which m- most people probably would right mm-hmm. that's a very touchy thing so that you could help them to become a kind of parent rather than Let's deal with the challenge of your child, right? Yes. But rather than here, this is a problem that we're mm-hmm. going to try to address. Um, you were able, I mean, you know, to come. O- so, what a what a ministry! Instead of being this sort of unilateral person who can has answers can solve the problem, which I'm sure you could, I'm sure you did, but instead are welcoming them into being able to see that they have within them the ability to be the parent their child needs. Yes. Um, That's an extraordinary sort of subtlety.
1: And that was a learning process for me as well. I remember the moment that I had come into a home with my clipboard, and the dad said, wow, I feel like I'm at the DMV right now. And this is his own home. And I was like, oh, okay. No more clipboards. Yeah. (laughs) Because you have to take so much data for the field. And can you imagine you just... You're just interacting with your child, Mm. and I'm like, another one, (laughs) another one, just tallying things up. Um, But yes, so it's definitely a learning process. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that walk in and take that as like, oh, good. Like, you see me as like having the power a over professional you.
0: professional is here. And yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so knowing how to respond and adapt to each different situation, each different, you're seeing them as people. Yes. And you're being able to have them be unique individuals that you're responding to rather than a case or, oh, a classic description of this or I read about this or whatever. Yes. And you said 10 years. Yes. You're doing this. So... Why did it stop?
1: Well, I carried it on while I was um, pregnant with Elowen, actually, and then- This is your first? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I have a seven and a five-year-old. Okay. Um, and I tried to keep on going with it, actually, as much as I could, and I would schedule going to people's homes at different um, like periods while they were napping and that kind of thing. Uh, It became just, it is a very, very stressful job. And my, I have so much respect for people who are doing it and have kids at home. That's a lot. It is a lot. Um, You could be handling any kind of behavior in a home from dangerous aggression uh, to just Maybe it's hand flapping that you can't get a hold of, and then you're going home to your own children. And for me, it was after having Finnegan, um, my second, and um, the babysitter would say, you know, he bit his sister today. I'm like, oh, I was out taking care of other kids' behaviors, and my, like, almost two-year-old is throwing crazy tantrums mm-hmm. and, inviting a sister you Mm. know
2: yeah
1: um so i knew and i always wanted to just be at home fully anyway um but i knew then without a doubt that i needed to give both of them 100 percent of attention and Alouin definitely benefited from that too it's just that finnegan was so much more outward with his behavior the issue a little Mm -hmm. bit yes
0: which is probably a blessing right yes you didn't yeah, because I think about that too with our kids. Like I think about you know, my eldest, and he can be, he can be so sort of accommodating, mm-hmm. or he can be so gentle about things, and and I could see how oh man, I got to make sure I don't like take advantage of that without realizing it, or wait until he's finally at exactly. the edge. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yes. Like I don't want him to get to the edge just because mm-hmm. he's a cal- as a calmer personality.
1: Exactly. In, in some ways,
0: um, yeah. But noticing that and saying, wait, I'm not supposed to. You know what the scripture says right i'm not supposed to like push my child like try to provoke them by sort of not not uh sort of being what they need when they need it but waiting yes. till they demand it mm-hmm. right so you're able to hear that but you also have this desire y- you don't have this dichotomy of oh but if i'm 100 percent at home then i'm going to lose this like professional identity you don't have like that particular
1: Gosh, there was some of that at the time. 10 years
0: in the field, 10 years in other people's lives as a person at work in the world.
1: Yes. To be honest with you, I completely forgot about that feeling that I had because I, I had worked really hard for, I mean, there was the master's plus the grad certification as a BCBA. Right. That was a lot of hard work. And I actually decided to let it go because even in keeping it up, I had to take a test that cost money every year, Mm. Um, and I had to decide either one role or the other because I could not just pay to be something just to have that title on me, Um, because there is that like oh I have this title I I mean something to someone you know yeah sure Um, so there was this letting go of that and holding on to the importance of being a mom full time, which is so important in and of itself. Mm. Um, it, also, the fact that it makes no money was really hard to let go of. Right. There was no um, money sign saying how valuable I was.
0: Right hey, you're not contributing in these obvious sort of yes. numerological ways. Yes, right? yeah. Which is, which is like a baseline way of us feeling like we're doing something that's yes. real or has substance to it, right?
1: Exactly.
0: And but you live in Orange County.
1: Exactly. Which,
0: you know, many moms b- would probably love to stay home, but it's just not even possible yes. because of rent, because of mm-hmm. cost of living here and things like that. So, So that is a a very clear decision that you make to yes. transition out of the professional world mm-hmm. into the, the the world of your home um, and I mean tell me about your relationship with the Lord I mean I we got some indications of, of how you were raised you parents being missionaries, as a pastor raising kids who are going to, unfortunately, be pastor's kids, yeah. that never means anything for sure. It could be yeah. like, oh, <laughs> so they despise the church and yeah. <laughs> hated to be around <laughs> pastors. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm praying, yeah. um, but ha- how was your relationship with the Lord as you were coming up, a lot of different uh, experiences in your schooling, uh, stable, fixed sort of place of a home, which mm-hmm. was a really important thing. Um, but what was your relationship like with the Lord?
1: Well, my parents actually hosted Good News Clubs at their house um, through Child Evangelism Fellowship. So I actually remember the moment That's cool. that I accepted the Lord as my Savior. Um, just knowing that God made me and he wanted me. He wanted to live forever with me in heaven. Mm. And I knew that at five years old. And not necessarily even from, I mean, yes, my parents, but they had someone else coming into the home doing these good news clubs for the kids in the neighborhood that wouldn't otherwise go to church. That's cool. Um, So I prayed then. Um, And then growing up, I, I would say I definitely struggled. Um, from, gosh, maybe 18 to and probably earlier, and I just didn't know it yet, and God is faithful enough to bring you through things to let you know that your faith isn't what it should be or that I could have a stronger relationship with him, that I could be living life more fully in that. Um, Gosh, I went through questioning his goodness Um, just seeing terrible things happen and wondering where he was in it. Um, Losing my neighbor, actually. Um, Chase was what really brought me to that place where um, he had muscular dystrophy, my neighbor did. We grew up with him and his dad found him in the bathtub. It looked like he had drowned because he walked away for a minute. That wasn't the case his heart had stopped but the fact that the dad thought that he had let him drown threw me in a place where mentally I was like god really like you made this parent think that it was because of him that his child died brought me it brought me to my knees actually for years um, with so many questions that not necessarily all were answered but brought me to a place where i said lord if you slay me still i will trust you Mm. um like where job used to make me feel sick to my stomach probably growing up Mm. now it's what i like hold to Mm. um and i know is truth and i know that no matter what happens i know jesus to be god Um, and that's that
0: and so from that core was that a place you reached with the Lord before having children? Yes Okay. and then when you make the move which is so identity splitting um, can be so isolating you know you were in the world as this known person interacting with people in a certain way now you're in the home hundred percent of the time in your much smaller orbit Mm -hmm. Um, so many changes happen there but you have this rooted relationship with the lord um, that's not on the table in some basic way that's sort of a settled thing with with the lord Mm -hmm. Um, and then as far as your decision moving forward with your own kids to eventually to to homeschool um, do you come by that is it just obvious? Is it natural? Is it something you and your husband talk about a lot? I mean, was there a bunch of different things on the table? Or was it like, this is just this is what me, what I must do? <laughs>
1: um, in terms of homeschooling or in bringing Christ into our homeschooling? Uh,
0: okay, yeah, good question. Um, let's just say first the move to homeschool. I mean, we're in a time, obviously, right now, in which a huge percentage of this country is having to homeschool, Mm -hmm. where it was this very fringe thing, usually in people's imaginations, um, fringy, fundamentalist Christians who maybe don't believe in the history or the science books that, you know, quote unquote, we all ought to have, you know, like Mm -hmm. they have to create their own world to teach their kids and indoctrinate the kids, right? It's this this strange thing for most people, right? Uh, Until very recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Or honestly, um, elitist private education for people with a ton of money who can just have private tutors, private teachers come in and tailor Mm -hmm. their perfect education for their perfect child. yes. So it can split into these two very strange but very sort of uh, fringe kinds of things so the decision, uh, however many years ago I guess it would be now, just to homeschool at all. First, it wasn't unfamiliar to you. You mm-hmm. didn't have some weird experience with it. At least it didn't sound like that. It sounded like it was pretty normal, and you moved through it in a way that was obviously not totally off-putting. Yeah. Because um, I was homeschooled as well. My mm-hmm. wife was homeschooled. You mm-hmm. know, for she was homeschooled the whole time i was on school for a handful of years i think more like you Mm -hmm. um and so for us on the inside it's like oh yeah this is like a normal thing it's a normal maybe we'll do that it was like on the table Mm -hmm. how did you come to that place though like you and and scott saying okay what are we gonna do about school what are we gonna do with the kids yeah
1: well when as i was working and i was going wow like the The kids that are making the most progress are the ones with the parents that are the most involved. Um, So that alone was huge. Showing up to the IEPs where um, each parent had so many things that they wanted done specifically for each child. um, That spending time in the classrooms and observing the kids I knew was only happening a certain percentage of the time. I mean, there's... 30 kids in a classroom there's only so much you really can do um, so no I don't have children with diagnoses. even though like I didn't I knew that a certain kind of education mattered to me and from that mindset came Charlotte Mason where I knew the more I read from her I knew this is what I want for my children and taken like taking from her writings. I knew that I was the one to do it. Okay. Um, so that is where we made the decision to homeschool.
0: So that's the turning point. So, because it isn't just Christian, right? You can be at a Christian school. There's a ton of Christian schools. We know a lot of people who work there, teach there. I teach there, you know, we're in that world It's not just, oh, you have to homeschool if you want to have a Christian education. It's that you actually uh, had an encounter with a particular sort of approach to education. Yes. Through Charlotte Mason. So Charlotte Mason, 19th century. Yes. British uh, sort of school teacher, teacher trainer. Yes, Um, exactly.
1: So she living in the early 1900s in England, was seeing a certain philosophy of education, which we all have one, we just haven't decided,
2: Mm.
1: we haven't named it, you know? Um, And in England at that time, she needed, she knew that there needed to be some kind of a revolution happening. She wanted to see, each adult seeing a child as a whole person, not as someone that they needed to fix or shape, that this was already a person, that they were able to expose all of the good, wonderful beauty through literature, through art, the scripture, and they just needed to be exposed to it. And it was the teachers and the parents that, could come alongside and provide that for the kids.
0: That's so interesting. I mean, she. we talked a little bit before we started recording. It's it's sort of silly to try to pick out Charlotte Mason quote because there's so much to quote. Yes. <laughs> um, she's eminently quotable. I encourage anyone, especially if you haven't heard of her, to just do a, a basic Google search. Yes, to just for sure. Get some of these snippets, but one of the most famous lines is children are born persons. Yes. And especially, as you say, sort of late 19th, early 20th century, uh, British culture, you know, this is sort of Mary Poppins-ish, like, children out of sight, out of mind, they have a place, right? They maybe have a nanny, they maybe have, you know, they, they're they kind of over here, and then at a certain point, you know, when you get to be of a certain age, then you sort of become a person, you know? Yeah, <laughs> It's like rite of passage. and
1: exactly. Things like
0: this. But she's saying children are born persons. Yes. I remember at this church um, doing... Um, a dedication of a baby um, and I remember I had come across that line because uh, I had been reading some Charlotte Mason at the time thinking about starting a school or thinking about what we were going to do when our kids got a little bit older um, and I remember coming across that and I was like oh this is a this is like Christian truth right like this, yeah. is, a, this is so but to, to hold I remember holding this, this baby up here with the parents and I remember holding this child and and I forget exactly what I said, but that, that thought came into my mind, like we're dedicating this person. Mm-hmm. We're not waiting for this, this child to become a person. They're not um, ours in the way that we usually think of. I mean, uh, I think Susan McCauley Schaefer, Susan Schaefer McCauley, yes. she says like children are not an accessory for us to have. Exactly. They don't decorate our lives. They mm-hmm. are individuals unto themselves, unto the Lord mm-hmm. from birth. And I thought, I just remember feeling the the reality of that when we were dedicating this baby. This is a person, and I'm looking forward to finding out like more about this child and who they are and who the Lord's created them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that mentality shift of a, of a little person who maybe can't talk, maybe can't do any number of things for themselves, being a whole person from the moment that they arrive yes. um, was, was a really staggering, simple, but profound uh, thought. And you're saying just that idea uh, to sort of ground where you go whether it's in teaching you know how to read or write but just to start with the yes. place of respecting the child as a person
1: yes yes and not using them to fulfill my own identity
0: <laughs> you know welcome to orange county yeah
1: <laughs> and whether it be their behavior or or what not. Um, especially coming from the behavior background, I mean, um, to even check my own motives. Why mm. do I need my child to act perfect? Is mm. it because I want to fulfill how other people think about me and how good I am with children? Mm. Or is it for the sake of... Of themselves as a, person as a person and their relationship with God mm. that's huge and that's still something I have to check within my own heart but it it makes a huge difference with how I interact with both of my children whether it be inside my house or in public
0: yeah because and this is where and again I, I feel this j- as a parent but I don't feel the brunt of it because um, I'm not like you know. The mom in the trenches, kind of person, all the time. But the extraordinary sort of visibility and pressure of the appearance of motherhood, especially in this like designer age of like having everything sort of dialed perfect. There's a book for everything, there's Mm -hmm. a, a podcast for everything, right? I mean, there's an everything for everything. And it's, and it seems to me, even just being somewhat near that world and aware of it, just crushing and overwhelming and exhausting and yet uh, at times inescapable where people are watching people are wondering and judge oh that's how yeah. does like you know i totally mm-hmm. unfairly set you up at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> as this like ideal you know whatever uh, but I, because mm-hmm. i know the reality is 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 that you're just a good mom you know that there is no perfect there is no this and that we want to be really careful that we're not playing that game Mm -hmm. of oh i'm going to do everything you know fabulously well and my kids are going to be this projection of my own identity so that yes. you'll accept and affirm how important and special and talented I mm-hmm. like my son started reciting greek because i've been reciting greek in the house trying to whatever mm-hmm. and then there's this part of me was like my son recites greek <laughs> and then there's this part of me is like it's oh, so ridiculous like you're making a pastor's kid in the wrong way yeah <laughs> like, yeah just let him but he'll be like what's our greek word for the day and i'm always like a little reticent now because yeah. i'm like oh, I don't want to just be like, hey, everyone, look at this. You know?
1: Yes, for <laughs> sure. I feel that. Like, mm-hmm. it's such
0: a strange tension. Definitely. But thinking about, okay, wait, he's a person. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to know know that? Because yeah. I'm happy if you're interested, and he is. Yes. But I can feel like, oh, oh great, and now Dave's teaching his son, four-year-old son Greek. Great, thanks, you know. <laughs> My kid's over here, you know, picking his nose and eating it, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, I can just, I could feel that, yeah. like... And unnecessary pressure that it
1: puts on other people, for sure. So hard. Mm -hmm.
0: So okay, how do you? So you make this decision to homeschool. You make this decision that I have. I know how I want to approach my children as people. Yes. As individuals, and then there's a there's going to be a way of bringing them into the world and to learning that flows out of that. Yes. Right. And
1: I think even just the fact that he's learning Greek is it's flowing out of you as a person and that's where we can encourage other parents like what is your thing like what are you what is it that you can just live your life and share it with your children um you know like for some people let's say it's just playing guitar Mm -hmm. like just do it with your children your children will learn to do it as well you know
2: yeah
1: um for the charlotte mason mindset i've we've been doing a lot of poetry reading and um scripture reciting so just through that they memorized so much so of course there's that I can definitely get that mindset of like oh um mom listen to Elowen <laughs> you know say this poem. Recite. You know? yes yeah <laughs> when when really I mean there's nothing extra special about it, except that we are going through the motions where I'm sharing this with her. I've never been an expert like in poetry whatsoever. I I am learning alongside of her, mm-hmm. but the fact that we're actually doing it every single day, we're sharing the life together, she is then learning at the same rate I am, that's basically. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so that's where like with other parents. Um, I mean, I highly encourage them to get into Charlotte Mason, but whatever, yeah, (laughs) big advocate for that. But whatever it is, if they're just sharing that life with their child, um, it becomes an atmosphere of learning. And even for that adult, for that parent, um, that's the most exciting part, really, because it kind of encourages you to keep on learning like you have this atmosphere where you want to keep on pursuing whatever your passion is because you see your kid picking up on it and you're like oh this is so cool like that we're learning this together and really that's what it's about
0: it really is it really is the way you said that especially because I think of like a friend of mine who's like um, a woodworker like does incredible stuff in the shop and I saw him post the other day like seven-year-old son has made his first like house like it's like Mm a sort of a tree house but it's like really elaborate sort of bird tree house with like a and i'm looking at this i'm like this is awesome it's because he sees his dad loving something Mm -hmm. and and enjoying something because it it is truly a hobby it's not like he's whatever it's not even Mm -hmm. his profession um he just enjoys doing it and so his son enjoys being with his dad and b- enjoys what his dad enjoys and yes. but it is really like coming from this place of like celebrating enjoying something mm-hmm. that learning is kind of coming from that place rather than son you must do woodworking exactly <laughs> or, you must learn greek because that's what we do yes know? exactly like it, you can tell the difference uh, it's just so much more easy
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and it's so much more enjoyable because you're saying uh, it, you are sharing it and you are able to be the parent you are because this is the problem right yes. we're all comparing ourselves to each other yeah and it's just it's paralyzing right exactly the deadlock um but instead saying okay what is the lord given to me that i love or what is the lord called me to love more yeah poetry and literature and things that maybe someone didn't grow up with but always wanted more of or wants to to know more of and being able to move out from the person you actually are, mm-hmm. rather than, again, trying to become some radically perfect thing for your kid's sake or whatever.
1: Exactly.
0: So how do you, how do you encourage um, people in a moment like this, and, and this is, in a moment like this in which so many people are having to um, be home with their kids? Uh, I'm sure they love their kids, but it's new and it's hard. Mm -hmm. They are working and now they're either working less because they have to watch their kids or they're working from home. And so everything's just more stressful. Schools are all trying different things and with, I'm sure, varying degrees of success. um, But it is a unique moment. Mm-hmm. In which people who had never thought about some of these things, or as you said before, had never thought that they even had an educational philosophy. Well, my educational philosophy is that my child goes to that school, right? That just never thought about what that is. How would you encourage someone to, to sort of think about a moment like this in a way that isn't just, um, you know, the best of the worst options, right? But is maybe like, no, this could just be really good. Like yeah. there's something here. That could just be good for anyone no matter what circumstance they might find themselves in
1: yeah and i would encourage people to actually start reading up on your educational philosophy um what is it that you loved about school what is it that you hated about school um what is it that matters even about school decide what matters to you and make a list of that um and throw out the stuff that doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, Because there's a lot of stuff we just do because we think we need to do it, you know? Um, So getting to the heart of what your educational philosophy is and going from there. Um, And then going, okay, I'm at ground zero, where do I go from there? Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of take the next step in front of you. Um, For me, that was okay. um, I've decided I'm going to go full throttle Charlotte Mason. These are the ages of my kids. She said not to start a formal education until age six. Mm. So now what do I do? (laughs) You know? And she spoke so much about habits. Like it wasn't that they were just supposed to exist, that would go against what she was saying in terms of they're born persons, right? Right so i had to figure out okay what's the first steps what are we supposed to do spend spend time in nature just to spend time in nature are we like worshipping nature <laughs> now like let's, what is let's <laughs> crunchy
0: let's just be yeah
1: <laughs> and what so then just reading and knowing why we're spending so much time in nature mm. the habit of attention was something she spoke about a lot and just building good habits within our children and something about the habit of attention was the basis of learning f- like pretty much lifelong. Mm-hmm. If she would talk about, if someone could just attain for 15 minutes or less, five minutes on one single thing, you can learn it. Mm. Um, but it's, I mean, and this is an age where early 1900s where she didn't have computers or I- iPhones to compete with. She's She's just saying how hard this is for human beings in general to attain to one thing. And she's saying, hey, get out in nature with your two, three, four-year-old, five-year-olds and let them spend time with the roly-poly. Let them run and stop and inspect whatever it is. Um, So spending time in nature and and why we're actually spending so much time in nature. I realized that I was in the habit, both me and my husband were in the habit of rushing our children on to the next thing. Hmm. Like children so naturally want to show you what they found and, or what they see. And we're constantly cutting them off because you have to get in your car seat. We have to, like, let's say we're even being intentional about a nature hike. Like, oh, we have to get to the end. <laughs> like, why do we have to get to right, the right, end? Right. Um but in spending time with, oh, I have I found this roly-poly, I found this ladybug, or what's that, what is this, so many questions, and stopping and actually moving forward with whatever their attention is on is actually building their habit of attention mm. and really building mine as well. Um, just like the quote that you shared, actually, at the very beginning about being attaining to the moment at hand and how much really just how much joy there is in that um just as a mom being present in that moment has completely transformed my mindset of I can't even think about who cares about that dollar sign anymore you know that was giving me my identity before or whatever it is I mean really that never really gave me that much of an identity but I'm trying to make a point I guess well but Um, it
0: is a complex one because you were doing good work in the world that was helping people yes like hard thing to to separate yourself from exactly
1: but then once you're actually in the moment and you're giving value to that moment it it transforms it and it all of a sudden I'm like okay this is why we're spending time in nature this is the purpose of it it's actually just a it's not only a building block but there's there's value in that moment that is um supporting their minds to be able to attain to whatever it is they need to attain to Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in their futures
0: and she says I mean she says um that you know what a child digs for becomes their own possession right Mm -hmm. that when you let So you're saying, okay, it wasn't just this hippy-dippy, unschool, run, do whatever. It was like cultivating habits, um, even before sort of formal things were maybe brought in uh, from the outside, cultivating habit of attention, allowing your son, your daughter to see what they are seeing. Rather than just being told what to see next, right, and moved on to the next wonderful thing we need to see. Exactly, (laughs)
1: because aren't we so good at that at adults? Oh, look at this. Look, wait, (laughs) look at that. Like, wait, let's move on and look at this instead now, you know? Because as
0: you said, because we're bored. Because we don't know how to focus for very long on things like the roly poly, right?
1: Exactly. But if we just stop and allow them to even just narrate what they see, that's a whole other skill that they're learning and just being able to communicate and being able to narrate what they're saying accurately to you, whether it be what just happened or whatever it is they're currently looking at or what's happening over in the horizon. They're able to communicate with their words exactly what they see, which I mean. Could you imagine if we were all brought up this way? How journalism mm. would be so much different.
0: It is <laughs> like, incredible. Yeah, like you're saying, she has this a uh, really strong emphasis, and as as you're connecting them to narration or to not just free play you know, attend to what you'd like, but where you are asking them to describe what it is that they've yes. seen or done mm-hmm. so that it's being connected to their ability to articulate, communicate, vocabulary, expansion, yes. anything truth that they would telling. need, just truth telling mm-hmm. about what just happened. Yes, um, And that that is also deepening their attention, right? It's yes. rooting that attention or that time they just spent with this thing or this book mm-hmm. or this moment outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so because Charlotte missing from the outside, some people would be like, geez, are you kidding me? Not not start school till six? Like, yeah. What kind of weird, like, I, we mm-hmm. this is not the world we live in. This is, as as maybe was was said to you, um, this is something for people who live on a farm.
1: Yes, you exactly. You know, if your
0: dad had got the cattle ranch, Beth, look, yes. it would have worked fine if you all lived on the farm and everybody just ran out and played in the fields, yes, right, and then he'd come in and for lunch, you know, we could mm-hmm. talk about it over chickens. <laughs> yes. Um, but in this busy, chaotic, m- m- urban, suburban, whatever kind of life, mm-hmm. um, you're saying how much more important to cultivate these habits of attention and of narration um, in our children, especially when they're very young.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Did you find that, like, did you need someone to model how this was working? Did you really just read, because she has several books that have been now sort of brought back into the publishing Mm -hmm. um, kind of world, um, because there is a sort of been a renaissance and people being aware of her Mm -hmm. and her approach to things and there's now whole groups and co-ops and and uh that have formed around her her education philosophy but as far as just a person you're just a a mom trying to figure things out you encounter one of her books and then you just start trying it
1: exactly um and that's kind of what i was saying with once you know what your philosophy is you just take the first first step towards it um now, I definitely put my w- myself in the way of people I want to be more like. Um, I found this woman, Naomi, who just lives only good in a gal, and she puts on a Charlotte Mason conference every year. So I make sure I show up to that conference mm-hmm. every year. Um, tonight, she's doing an online Zoom meeting. I should have done this podcast tomorrow because I could have been so much more enlightened. But <laughs> no,
0: I want uh, to get you just yeah. honest and at the moment.
2: This is good. <laughs> yeah, but I'm
1: showing up to that, and I've. Um, she's actually invited herself on some of our hikes together, which has been awesome. That's cool. um, but showing up to like Cindy Rollins. I um,
0: love Cindy Rollins. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and actually, she's the one that, uh, hearing her speak, she made a big deal about. Stop thinking what you're not doing and just do it. So if it's you want your kids to start nature journaling, start it tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Like just just go for it. Just go for it. Um, yeah. So I've definitely put myself in the way of those people, being intentional about putting myself in the way of those people and reading reading those books. Um, listening to them on audible just while i'm doing laundry mm-hmm. or whatever it is because picking up a book is more and more difficult yes, it is. um <laughs> but uh, i mean yeah audible just being able to listen while i'm doing other things is huge um yeah
0: so you just started building you just started saying okay this makes sense <laughs> to me i love this idea so i'm going to develop what a pretty consistent routine of time, how do you actually begin with young children to implement, okay, that we call it whatever you want at this point, yeah. but this is what we're gonna do uh, in the morning, this is what we're gonna do, do you just start yeah. scheduling like a, a rhythm to the day?
1: Yes, a definite definite rhythm, and I had the same question. So I'm like, okay, well now, Elowen's six, what do I do next? Mm. Or maybe she's five, but she's kind of ready for a little bit more, what mm. do I do next? Um, just started asking those questions basically, even before finishing reading all the volumes that can be so intimidating, right, you it's know. A lot. Yeah. Right, you
0: could get paralyzed just by overwhelming amount of Charlotte Mason thought and information.
1: Exactly. <laughs> or
0: people who are like way into it. There's a twenty seven podcast. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a lot of stuff out there. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But just the real people I knew that were implementing it are just looking into um, like Cindy Rowland's The Morning Basket was mm. what Um, she called it so I know okay these are the habits I know that's foundational um to to build these habits within my kids what other habits like what are the home habits that we we need to begin doing it's just pretty much like taking care of the home Mm -hmm. taking care of the place where you reside um and then building on the okay we're going to read the bible every day um we're going to read or sing hymns every day. We're going to read poetry every day. What books do we start reading every day? And that's where I also became um, more particular about how we spend our time. Mm-hmm. So the, the books that we read were important, um, or the and keeping out certain books was just as important. Um, finding the list of books, okay, what do we read? So I started going to AmpleSide Online
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and going from there and then just asking more of the questions, okay, how do I actually do this? Do I start having um, the kids tell me back everything they've read? <laughs> like, right. Ellen's getting really annoyed with me. <laughs> 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 you know, so Since it- you yeah. just read it yeah like, you don't need me <laughs> mom it. you just said it why do you did you not <laughs> did hear you it forget? read it again yeah <laughs> that's exactly what happened actually um but yeah like going from there kind of trial and error too yeah, sure. like that's okay that she was sure. answering me back that way <laughs> kind of smart you know um and just practicing it was a daily practice really to the point to where Finnegan knows, hey, if we're sitting down at the table together, he's gonna grab something for me to read. you know?
0: Mm, that's cool. Yeah. that those habits, because he's the younger one, that those habits just become like she says, education is an atmosphere. It's exactly. Life. It's not like all right, it's time for education. Yes, <laughs> but it's a rhythm. It's how you think and how you behave in your home exactly. it's how you just kind of organize your yourselves throughout yes. the day.
1: That's why I think I kind of freeze when people ask me about the first day of school.
0: Right, which I did. I was like, when did you guys start? Yeah, and
1: how did I respond? I'm like, I don't know. Which is great. That's very
0: pure, right? You're like, we're always educated. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, there are certain things like over the summer, because I told myself we would just keep on going over the summer, but we've been so in and out. So the things that we've kept in our rhythm is the daily Bible reading, the hymns, the poetry reading, but I'm not sticking to the same one every single day, Mm -hmm. which during the school year, we, um, we read one poem a day for, let's say 30 days until they have it memorized, Mm -hmm. um, so that it's in their minds when they're playing or they're doing something, it'll come up in their heads and it's just really cool. Yeah. Um, so really it's been building those habits and then figuring out, okay, reading. Next is her learning how to read. Finnegan's even asking to learn how to read. How do we start this? And just going from there and, okay, these are the next steps. These are the books we need to do it. And just doing it. Doing
0: it. And there are so many resources. You talk about Ambleside Online. Mm-hmm. This is all free. Yes. Uh, just like here's here's a a book list for this age range. Here's right a ton of of things to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made a really interesting comment um, a minute ago about what not to pick, what to leave mm. out, and Charlotte Mason has a great word that I I have taken to heart for yeah. years now, um, <laughs> which is twaddle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as I understand it, twaddle is stuff that is sort of i think she even says it's almost like um sugar yeah like it's like high calorie Mm -hmm. flashy kind of it could be books any number of things Mm -hmm. right she's usually talking about books yeah um but it's just sort of flimsy just Mm -hmm. sort of like Mm -hmm. Uh, i think of like i don't know disney princess stuff or like stuff that's a little too it's just sparkle glitter but not a lot of substance yes and maybe that's there's a lot of boy stuff that's like <laughs> for saying.
1: sure like superhero stuff and yeah where it's just mm-hmm. like
0: the kind of stuff that is going to appear most likely you know at target or somewhere else that's going to be like in your face yeah. maybe it's attached to a cartoon maybe it's whatever mm-hmm. but there's not a lot there
1: yeah promotes like a quick attention grab right. and then they're kind of done
0: right and promotes sort of like an attention deficit yeah <laughs> right like mm-hmm. I just watching how cartoons have changed so much since mm-hmm. we were you know that age And watching how fast like those jump cuts come in a in a cartoon for kids yeah it's just such a hyper attention-shattering thing Mm -hmm. Um, but it is sugar and it is like so stimulating right so for her maybe twaddle isn't just like lame or uninteresting it might be the attention-grabbing thing but it doesn't deliver it's yeah. not worth the time. You're saying there's yeah. so much stuff. You really have to choose what not to bring into the home or what not to read. Mm-hmm. Um, are you pretty good? You got a pretty good feel now when you see twaddle. You, yeah. you can, tell <laughs>
1: definitely. Um, I mean, I I'm not as strict as other people. I mean, okay. some people would even say Dr. Seuss was twaddle.
0: Whoa,
1: it's um, a dark turn, Beth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I. There are I, fundamentalists everywhere, y- yes, exactly
2: <laughs>
1: um, and even when let's say like a grandparent or someone does give them one of those bright, flashy books right, I've actually made the choice not to necessarily make a big deal about it. Um, right,
0: you don't want to be sanctimonious. no in our home, yes. we don't read this yes exactly um and
1: because i I can only almost imagine my kids' eyes lightening up like oh this is something we're not allowed to have in our house like
0: (laughs) makes it more appealing
1: yeah (laughs) like sneaking over to the neighbor's houses and like you know binge reading all the books (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's funny um so I, I let it play its course yeah so you're done it disappears and we just don't even have to see it again and naturally they go towards something else in the home there are times at the library where they're going for something that I'm like oh really (laughs) no um and again I kind of let it play its course and then make it disappear
0: that seems wise I've seen my wife do that I've seen it like certain toys just sort of aren't around after a yes. while and honestly they're also the toys that usually get burned out on or they break or yes. something or they break exactly they, they often break the soonest as well yes. right mm-hmm. um but man we have this thing the curvy board that's just a curved piece oh, of yes. wood uh-huh. it does not break <laughs> and it's always interesting uh
1: uh-huh. yes
0: <laughs> yeah like there are things where you're just like okay you're right i, I love what you're saying because if you make this new set of rules Mm -hmm. kids are going to notice that and it's going to be like being denied the chocolate chip cookie they're going to just think about the chocolate chip cookie all day yes and instead if you really believe that there is there is let's say books or toys or whatever but particularly books um that have real beautiful powerful weight and content to them that isn't just like oh you ought to like this but you will like this Mm -hmm. you can kind of trust the material you can if you're selecting the things that are in your home, to the extent that you you decide what you're going to purchase or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or get from the library, you can furnish them, as she would say, like with this a feast of good things, right? Exactly. Um, they don't need to be an expert at all the things. You kind of present them with really good, beautiful, true things. Exactly. And you let them discover the goodness, truth, and beauty of those things, mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I'm, I was told I'm supposed to love this, so therefore mm-hmm. I have to keep you know reading it.
1: Something yes, like exactly. Which would make
0: it awful, right? They would react against that.
1: Uh, yes, definitely. Um, but they are learning for themselves. Like, this is good. I want more of this. Like, And they'll, they will start grabbing for those things. And, I mean, for me sometimes, even though the sugar is so bad for me, I will still <laughs> literally. sometimes. Literally. Yes, literally yeah. so bad for me. <laughs> I will still sometimes want it. Like, yeah. I just forget, sure. you know? And the same thing with them, and I need to allow them that grace as well, yes. um, and not come down on them every single time. Like, really, come on. <laughs>
0: yeah, like I can't. I can even imagine if, like, my wife like put her hand on my shoulder. and was like, chips again, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, I would be so sad, maybe offended. I'd be like, look, right? Yes. I get probably like, yeah. defensive. <laughs> look, okay, uh-huh. I've had a hard day. Okay, I got this new salsa I want to try out. Exactly. Chips again. Uh But yeah, it would be awful if someone was constantly scolding you. Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly.
0: And and so to the extent that we treat children from birth as persons Mm -hmm. with the same dignity, the same value, with the same complexity, with Mm -hmm. the same weight of glory before the Lord think about the ways that we would respond as persons right just Mm -hmm. older persons but still persons and knowing that we give ourselves a lot of room we and and we hope others will as well Mm -hmm. and yet we still do really find and enjoy what is good and what is beautiful and and so much of this is just as you say sort of getting it in the atmosphere, Having it so that it's there. It's discoverable. Mm-hmm. They, they don't need to grow up saying, oh, I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Like I remember coming across certain books or certain things when I was, you know, out of the house and into college. And I just remember being stunned that I never knew this existed. That mm-hmm. it was so good. It was so powerful. Mm. It was so moving. Mm-hmm. But I just had never heard of it. I'd never been exposed to it. No one in my orbit. None of my friends. You know, it's not something that was even no one was aware of it. Yeah. And I just remember thinking that is amazing Mm -hmm. that there is such beauty in the world and, and we're just not aware of so much of it.
1: Yes. And that they are capable of processing it as well. I, I think without putting myself in the way of this philosophy, I wouldn't have expected like, Oh no, you're not going to show my six year old, some piece of fine art. Like she's not going to care about that. Mm. Like, no, actually they pick up on it or even Shakespeare. Like we started reading Shakespeare last year. She's not going to get it. I didn't even get it in high school. Mm. No, like she is like, she's loving, like the fairies that come up and, um, in the, st- the stories and even thinking about the meaning of things she's loving. Wow. Um, or just reading straight from the Bible like reading scripture in and of itself
0: instead of like all the simplified children's version of everything yes you're saying well let's try just bringing the thing itself
1: yes and elowen will actually call me out if i have gone through a period of time of let's say reading our devotional and then reading the scripture from the devotional instead of opening up the bible She'll say, "Mom, we haven't actually read the Bible in a w- long time." Oh, and I'm like, "Well, I do. We we read. <laughs> Baby. We do. Like we're reading our, our memory verses, and I read from you from. I read to you from this <laughs> book." And she's like, "No, you haven't actually opened the Bible." <laughs> I'm like, okay.
0: You're like, but what about the app? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: and so, th-
1: like, you can see how they're like then drawn to it. Like right. we just expose them to it long enough
2: right. because.
1: This is still like human nature, where the first exposure, maybe not. You right. know, this is a habit. These are ha- habits
0: that need formed. Yes. Right. In yeah. in all of us, right. Exactly. Or else we won't naturally gravitate towards what's best for us. I will keep eating bad
1: food. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we did not start with Shakespeare. And right. some people think, oh, you started reading the Chronicles of Narnia. That's what I'll start on in age four or five or six. Like that's still. Mm. It's like oh. It's a lot for them right now, especially if you've never read a chapter book before. Like we started reading Winnie the Pooh, um, which is, which honestly, it's not the most entertaining if you've already read all of this twaddle. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be hard. That's going to be Mm -hmm. a hard read for your four and five year old. Like you're going to have to practice that. Um, My Father's Dragon, we've read. Pippi Longstocking, we've read. All of these like precursors to where we're at now and not a lot of breaks in between Mm -hmm. that's too like with summer vacation because we're just always reading it's
0: it's just something that your your family does exactly uh, and and that's so that education is a life it is an atmosphere it is just a way of i think she says at one point you know we're meant to just always be growing Yes. whatever age we are, mm-hmm. that the whole point of life and life before the Lord, like it would be crazy, and I think I'm sure I've said this in sermons, but it would be crazy if someone said to me, yeah, I've prayed, you know, so like I'm done praying because I prayed once, you mm-hmm. know. So like, well, that's not how that works, right? Like yeah. we need to pray every day because we're supposed to grow in this relationship with the Lord, grow in our understanding of the scripture. And, well, I read the Bible. Mm-hmm. You, well, we need to keep reading, you know, like you don't stop. But you're saying, you know, there is a w- mentality of, School starts at this date. It ends at this date, and then there's this, you know, couple Mm -hmm. month period where there is no school, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's ended up in these categories of beginning and ending moments, or beginning and ending moments at a particular location, you know, not in the home or even in the home, Mm -hmm. but not like just a way of being.
1: Exactly.
0: When, Mm -hmm. so let's let's kind of bring this home in the most practical way. Mm -hmm. Um, Take me through a normal day in. In the young homeschool family, uh, Charlotte Mason, uh, co op, like tell tell me, what does a day look like? Yeah. Just a normal day.
1: A normal day, we'd get up, um, you know, start with the, just the simple habits of brushing their teeth and everything, making beds, um, go to eat breakfast. And at the breakfast table, that's where we open up the Bible, we read scripture, we say our memory verse, we. Um, read our read or sing hymns. It depends on how well I know the hymn.
2: <laughs> Would um, you like to sing right now? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
1: um,
0: but if you know, like the melody that it goes yes. to, because a lot of these are older. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we we read or sing the hymn. We read poetry, and that's all done at the breakfast table, and then from there just the standard cleanup from breakfast and then we go into do your
0: children help clean up like that's part of the yes the rhythm yes okay.
1: um so clear the table they take their dishes out and they have to wipe down the table um and this is also a habit that we are working on so i don't want anyone <laughs> to think that my children just do this all without Smothered. yes yeah <laughs> exactly um and then We go and there's a reason why we're working on it. Like this is something that will help them for the rest Mm -hmm. of their lives, and just just taking care of themselves and taking care of their family too. You know, their home, their space. Exactly. Um, And then we will read a book together. Um, I usually have them drawing while I'm reading, and that's when we are doing like our Ambleside Online, the book Mm -hmm. list from there. so I'll read to them out loud while they're either drawing, um, which helps with narration sometimes. So if I know, like a, let's say Shakespeare is going to be harder for her to retain and retell, she'll be drawing pictures of what's happening as I'm That's reading cool. it. Very cool. Um, and then Finnegan, uh, people are always asking what I do with him since his attention span is naturally going to be less. Um, I get out kinetic sand or Play-Doh or the, what are those like marble tiles? Magnet tiles, yeah. Uh yeah. Oh yeah, I love the old magnet tiles. (laughs) Yeah. So cool. And they're they're so good. Um, There was a period of time where, because he was over here and over there and like just wanting to jump on me while I was reading, that I was actually trying to get him to do something in the other room. Mm. That was just a struggle between me and him, and it had to stop. He wanted to be near me, which every child just wants to be in proximity to their mom. Mm. But he just needed something to do with his hands. So, so we got into the habit of just letting him do something, like whether it be Play-Doh or the kinetic sand or make tiles or whatever it is. But I have to keep those hidden and bring them out for the times that I'm doing this mm. or else it's gonna be like no big deal to him, you know? Um, then from there, from doing our reading, um, I'll let them do more playtime together and then we'll get out our math and then more playtime again because these are short stints where um, Charlotte Mason recommended like 15 minutes at a time because you want their full attention. You don't want to be doing it for the entire hour and having them fade in and out because in reality, that's only like five minutes worth of work.
0: Right, and this is counterintuitive to people when they hear it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Wait, isn't that like attention shortening when you're only doing these little bursts of, of attention mm-hmm. but you're saying look 10-15 minutes of deep attention mm-hmm. is the work right yes. That the hour in in a normal class period or whatever
2: mm-hmm.
0: there's just so much else going on there wrangling with things to even get that kind of focused attention and then to not push it
1: exactly because
0: she is convinced as I think you and I are obviously that there is something sort of wonderful about learning Mm -hmm. and that we don't usually have the best memories of Mm -hmm. school and having learned because of feeling stress or pressure or whatever Mm -hmm. and especially from those younger ages to to go full bore for a short amount of time on a particular subject sort of almost still captures the lightning or captures the wonder of that thing before it becomes just another uh, like are we still doing this Mm -hmm. kind of like no now it's time to play Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It doesn't become less torturous. Thingy.
1: Yes, and the goal is for them to be asking for more, and then stop.
0: That's cool. So you end even a little like before they're ready to. Yes. So that there's always something that they're looking forward to or that they would want to to, to take time with it on their own.
1: Exactly. And you know that's a really good when you know you're at that spot with your kids and that is just and once they are there you're like oh yes they under they get it like they have that same feeling that you have and also when elowen goes oh what is the meaning of like this mom what does the story really mean and it's she's saying that because she wants to tell me Mm. and that is narration like brought out in real life without She's desiring to understand. Yes. So she could mm-hmm. explain, she could she yeah. bring
0: someone else into it.
1: Exactly. Well, so yeah.
0: these, these are sort of these shorter moments of deep attention and then play in between. Mm-hmm. How long does that, that sort of day go? Like, is there a moment at which then it's okay? We don't have any more, I mean, i don't call them lessons or mm-hmm. focused periods like that. Is it
1: Sometimes it's like from 8 a.m. to 11. Um, other times I could easily get things done before 10 a.m. Mm. Um, other times we're still drawing it out till like 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. And that could be because we're having a really good play day, like between the two of them, you know.
0: So you kind of will also just go with a good moment yeah as you said on your your example of the nature hike or something instead of saying all right but now we have to do this next thing if there is something beautiful happening yes. you'll let that kind of breathe a little bit
1: exactly yeah and that's what I've loved actually about Ambleside online it's the curriculum is not like a checkoff list per day it's things to read per week mm. and then like you practice your reading and your math and um gosh, whatever, like geography, the art, Mm -hmm. which you would might do like once or twice a week, that kind of thing. Um, But it's not like, oh, I have to get this done today. Like I make sure I get at least one of the books read that day, and then we can spread it out that way throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Um, So that it doesn't even feel that way to the kids too, where they, they, getting to draw while they're listening. They're just kind of being themselves and being able to take it all in. Um, and like I said, narration has been like a practice for both me and her, where sometimes it's harder than others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've I've needed practice on implementing. Mm-hmm. But again, there's so many good resources. It, not only the people that I know, like Naomi, but um, Karen Glass, is another great one that i highly recommend and i actually need to read her book again no Tell, before mm. starting up again maybe september
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what's great about this i think is y- this is also a way of inviting people who look they did not plan on homeschooling they're completely overwhelmed they m- may have a career and this professional life they can't opt out of, mm-hmm. um, or at least not full time home. Um, could you? Could we end on a on a, a note of encouragement? I think for those who are like, yes, I this feels right. I know this this is good. This is just sort of a reminder of good things, and it's to say, just keep going. You know. Um, but for those who are finding themselves, this is not a, a world that's familiar. Maybe they're hearing this and they're just feeling guilty that mm-hmm. they they didn't do any of these things or yeah, that's great for you guys in this perfect world in which you're like reading all these books I don't have time to read, right? Yeah. Um, for the person who finds themselves just already in the middle of maybe a, a rough scene, mm-hmm. um, you know, attention spans not there, habits not formed, you know, kids never clean up, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, just some reality of like, hey, we're just trying to make it out here. Yeah. Um, how would you encourage that parent who's just saying, this is all happening at once, um, you know, it feels like we're just trying to gasp for some breath um what would you say maybe to a person in that situation
1: yeah um well the fact that they're trying it all like good job you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and then ciphering out what is important and what isn't and the things that are truly important then yes like make that something you do like first thing in the morning um a lot of people are homeschooling through their public school, like in that in and itself, like that's a full time job. Um, just getting that done, and and asking for help as much as needed, and then to begin on the habit of attention before they go to bed at night, reading a short, interesting story, something that you would want to read, and if that is your greatest accomplishment that day. You're doing amazing things for your children um, because they will keep on asking for more at night, every single night. Um, And as you begin your days, they're going to be looking forward to those moments where it's just you and them. Um, And you're not fighting for their attention and you're not fighting for and yeah, either way, that you're not fighting for attention. Um, so just starting, starting there, I guess, with listing what is important and what is not.
0: I love that you're saying, like as you said before, like just writing it out.
1: Mm-hmm. And a
0: lot of times, because you had said also, we all have an education philosophy, we just don't usually realize what it is. Mm-hmm to write out okay our family values these things yes um and then because i remember we did something sort of similar at least and i had a conversation a few years ago what do we value what do we think it really matters what do we want our children to know has value for us and then we also like looked around at our home and it was not obvious that some of those things were the things we valued Mm -hmm. there were not you know books in sight you know there Mm -hmm. were other things in sight that Mm -hmm. we said we didn't value as much but they were more evident yeah. in just how we had designed our space and things like that. Mm-hmm. So by having to like name, like, well, what what do we want for our kids? What do we want our family to be up to? What do we want our home to be a place for? Mm-hmm. Just by having to say, okay, it can't be a place for absolutely everything. We can't do everything. But what do we really care about? And then being able to move forward from there, just by naming it or listing it, writing it down, yes, and saying, okay, well then how do I bring my love for this like for my my friend who is you know a, a woodworker mm-hmm. you know the c- there could be parents who say oh my gosh you can't go out there while he's working like those are those machines are dangerous like mm-hmm. there, there are ways to to not invite children into those places and sometimes for reasons that might sound safe or good or whatever mm-hmm. but if you were intentionally saying well, look i value these things and the things we value working with our hands or or good literature I want to find ways of bringing my children into that of them p- being able to participate. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, you know, your kids, you know, helping you make food and I've seen our mm-hmm. kids in the kitchen and they just love. It, it just strikes me, it's incredible. Just children just love whatever you're doing. Yes. They just will they want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And and they're also incredibly resilient. Like, we keep thinking we've ruined them, and we haven't, you Mm -hmm. know, and that they're more forgiving than we are often of our own parenting and all these things. Like, the Lord has made them in this incredible way, but part of that is they just love you, Mm -hmm. and they love to do the things that you love to do, Yes, and they're excited about what you're excited about, and there is this bridge there that can kind of be reopened, I think, to just say, I really want to do this, and they'll say, and they'll they'll start to catch that exactly. because they really do just love their mom and dad. Yeah, and it is an extraordinary thing that we don't feel deserving of, and we feel like yeah. we let it down a lot. Mm-hmm. But it is an incredible open door always. It seems to invite them into good things yes.
1: and beautiful things. And gosh, it's so much more stressful to care about what other people think are important. Right. And the kids so pick up on that too. Like when you're doing something that you're just like, "I well, the Andersons would have done this
0: by 930. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And so much easier to snap at our kids when they're falling short with something that you're just doing because you feel like you ought to do this. And yeah. So just ciphering through, like you were saying in the things that you're passionate about and your values and, heading towards those things first and yeah and letting go of the rest
0: letting go of the rest beth thank you so much yeah thank you so much for having me it was awesome and and there's so many places we could go but what's so exciting is that there are so many places to go from here and that the world is full of just beautiful things um i'll end on a charlotte mason quote because that's that's a good yeah (laughs) it's a good thing to do um She's saying this about what people say, oh, so is it your Christian homeschooling, your religious things? She says, we do not merely give a religious education because that would seem to imply the possibility of some other kind of education, a secular education, for example. Instead, we hold that all education is divine, that every good gift of knowledge and insight comes from above that the lord the holy spirit is the supreme educator of mankind and that the culmination of all education is that personal knowledge of and intimacy with god in which our being finds its fullest perfection thank you so much that was a good one that's our time my friends if you would like to support the podcast please do subscribe and rate us on itunes and if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast head on over to from click on newsletter and sign up there Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From
2: Babylon.